Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. Welcome. Today is the day after election day, so we don't know who the president is. And sort of a funk. So, like, well, I've, got a, you... I've got a pretty good idea who the president is. Uh, How did you spend yesterday, Dave? I saw you on I saw you on Facebook. I was quoting you to people sometimes. I love <laughs> I love the map guy on CNN. What's his name? John King. John I, King. He's from Boston. I he's know. From Dorchester. I didn't. Re- I I confess I didn't realize that till somebody told me yesterday, but. That guy is the Jimi Hendrix of touchscreens. He and not only that, but he knows. How does he know? Like, oh, hey, there's this little county in Wisconsin, Muckalucka County. They have a nice lake there. I go canoeing sometimes. He knew something about every county in America. I know. I'm friends with the priest who works at the CBS yeah, down yeah. the store. And he gave me a text this morning and told me what's going on with his people. And I'm like, you're like from the hood. You're just talking to everybody. So, so I spent my day. I couldn't focus. So I made masks. That's what I've been doing since COVID started. So I started making masks that have RBG on them. I know you can't see no. this because this is radio, but there's one that's pink, one that's blue. I made this one. It has hemp on the back. That's kind of interesting. Although hemp's a little heavy just for mask people. And then I came up with this idea. This is my new favorite. So it's RBG and like Andy Warhol Technicolor. Yeah. And then on the back we have cannabis leaves. That's a that's an amazing looking mask, Joyce. So anyway, so I that's what one. I was doing. I will send you one. So I, I and it brought my friends together, like random people who I hadn't seen, like a friend from Northeastern Law School stopped by on my stoop yesterday to pick one up because she needed it for her attire. <laughs> and uh, love it. So RBG brought me comfort and hope and calmness. So that was my how I spent my day yesterday. Mm-hmm. But even though there's kind of bad political news or there's no real confident 
substantive decision. We do have some good cannabis news. So I don't know if do you follow this, Dave? No. Did did we vote for cannabis yesterday? Yes, we did. <laughs> and and you want to hear something even crazier? So I I love Boston Public Radio. I kind of believe Marjorie and Jim and I are friends, whatever. <laughs> right. They're on speed dial, and I call in all the time because I always want to call in about cannabis, but I never, ever, ever get through. Mm-hmm. I got through today. Wow. I know. We got to get – so how did it go? We need we need a recording of this. I don't know. It's somewhere. It was early because it was like – I must have been the first person to call because I was like, what? And I just hit it, and they let me through. So I talked about Arizona. We can talk to our guest today, too, because she knows about all this stuff. Arizona, New Jersey, South Dakota, Montana, I think, are all adult use. I believe Mississippi is medical. I can check. And then, like, Oregon decriminalized everything. Like, it's like a wow. different state. <laughs> so that was that's what I talked about. If anyone wants to hear Boston Public Radio, me and Jim and Marjorie. So, yeah, we're friends. That's great. I, I That's something you wouldn't have known from watching all the coverage yesterday because they they and the local news will report on local stuff. But there were there was barely any talk even of congressional races yesterday, senators, etc. It was all about the corner office. And I love politics and I love women in politics, which I keep thinking that's a story we're missing. But I don't know. I'm like a little nervous today and I wasn't yesterday. So that's separate. And then before we get to the guest, I just want to give a shout out to my friend, a friend of the show, Sherry Tuckis. For her, the green nurse, she just founded a new group and I had to get my medical card re-registered. So I reached out to her and it was such a great process. And these ladies are, and man, they have a man nurse as well, Mark, nurse Mark. These are all medical professionals who are working in cannabis who risked a lot to be in cannabis at some point. And now they're leading the way. So if you want to get your medical card, you're curious about this, you're in Massachusetts, check out the green nurse giving them a shout out. They did a great job. And it's not scary, people. If you need the medical card, a lot of stuff is going down. I think this is a good resource for you. So I think I covered everything. That's enough ranting. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I'm just I'm just looking up uh, Green Nurse to see if our <laughs> listeners want to know like what the URL is or whatever. So I think it's thegreennurse.com. Just check that. Yeah, Sherry I am looking at it now. Absolutely right. Okay, it's the green nurse. And they do, they do a podcast, too. They do everything, Sherry. Oh. She's beautiful, tall. She's like one of the first people outside of today's guest. So let's go right to today's guest, who I met in cannabis. Okay. So today's guest and I are both alums of the Northeastern University School of Law. And she is the very first person who opened my eyes to the potential of the cannabis industry when she was featured with a cover story on the Northeastern University School of Law alumni magazine. I've been following her career ever since. I used to run into today's guest at events, which I do. I miss that. I miss catching up. So I'm glad she's here with us today. Today's guest left her law firm job to advocate for cannabis equity and started her own Boston-based company, Ardent, and has developed a really great little decarboxylator. I know that's a big word. We'll talk about that later. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry. She's here to tell us all about it. Here to talk about her transition from corporate law to cannabis entrepreneur, social equity in cannabis, and her advice to women, Black women especially, on the importance of capital and how to find investors, I am so happy to welcome to the Cannamom Show, Chanel Lindsay, founder and CEO of Ardent. Yay! Yay. 
<laughs> Yay! Thanks, Joyce. Thank you for having me. Very glad to be here. And yes, you made me reminisce there about all of the fun times that we used to have at all of our different events. But maybe again soon. <laughs> we'll see each other. We're gonna the women of cannabis will we'll figure this out. So let's not talk about politics today. Let's talk about your unique position, which is always political. I don't know why people say it's not political. <laughs> your advocacy and business. So let's just kind of start. Let Sharon, Massachusetts, actually where I grew up. Uh, Me too. Small yeah. town of Massachusetts and our friend Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? That, wasn't there something that happened in Sharon that got you to step up into this world? Do you want to start with that? Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in Massachusetts, originally from Dorchester, but I lived in Stoughton and Sharon for quite some time. And I became an attorney and always was using cannabis. And my son actually is turning 20 uh, in February. Amazing. So yeah, you know, a really big milestone there. But after I had him, I was young when I had him. I was a teenager. I was 19 and I had my son. I was already at um, Penn studying and knew I kind of wanted to become an attorney or something really cool and professional, uh, I guess, at that time. But after he was born and I was starting on my journey to become an attorney, I was also embarking on this journey of using cannabis as a medicine. And prior to that, I had smoked for anxiety, recreation, whatever you want to call it. It was something that would have been helpful um, for me. But after I got this ovarian cyst, it really changed my mindset of needing to use it for something that was very focused in particular from a medical perspective and required things that were different, things like suppositories and other topicals and localized treatments that I didn't have access to. We're talking about back in 2001 at this Yeah, this was like the ancient, this is like basically like ancient times. Yeah, it's like, yeah, compared, right? In the yeah. cannabis industry, we're like light years from where this was at the point, this point. And I was making my own medicine at home and I was actually um, growing my own medicine in a spare bedroom. And I got, I was on my way to work one day and I got pulled over by the Sharon police. And now this is fast forward a bit. This is after decriminalization. So my journey started back in the early 2000s, but okay. By the time decriminalization came, this is 2009 at this point. So over 10 years in at this point, I have a regimen that works well for me. The things that aren't great are the fact that I still for a very long time had to continue to purchase from the street, basically. Are you a a practicing attorney at this point? Yeah. So so I, I graduated in 2007. Okay. So by that point, I had already clerked for the superior court. So, and then I was at my firm, Sugarman Rogers. And I felt like I was in a good groove in life, Joyce, exactly. obviously. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I had I had my house at that point. For me, buying a house was actually a, a great opportunity to, to actually take a better hold of my health at that point. Because prior to that, I was buying who knows what. And I exactly. really was concerned about what it was being grown with. That was around the time of a lot of synthesized nutrients coming out to in order to, for people to grow better yields, but very poor quality product because honestly it's poison right i want to get back to like the medical part is because this is so specific this is the health and wellness industry we talk about this over and over and over again but what specifically happened like what happened so you're a professional woman you've got a house you're driving your car you get pulled over and then what was the thing that happened well i ended up getting i ended up getting arrested rather than getting a ticket right so at that point everybody was supposed to have the protection of just being able to get a fine and how, how was it a smell? Like, what was it that made him want to arrest you? Uh, well, I got pulled over for a ride on red. 
Okay. And ended up again, that would have been a ticket or a warning or something like that. And when he came to the side, he saw my bag was open and he saw a bit of cannabis in the bag. And that was it. Wow. It was like an immediate 2009. Wow. Was yeah. it, yeah, was it uh, was like, Chanel? Was it Officer Lucy? Officer Leonard? Officer Levitt? I know, I know all the cops. We're, we're, we're talking <laughs> local. Okay, people who don't know Sharon is like, I grew up there. There literally wasn't even a stoplight. That's how small the town is. Although it yeah. does have a dispensary now, but it's a teeny town. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when I first moved to Sharon, uh, there was no liquor store either. And eventually they did allow beer and wine. And that was a big thing. Still just um, beer, still just beer and wine. No hard liquor. Beer and wine. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't live in China anymore, yeah. but long story short for me, that was just an eye opening experience, right? Being pulled and handcuffed, thrown in the back of the police cruiser oh, and my watching my car being impounded, literally crying. I'm in my, I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm in my skirt and my blouse. It's summertime. And, oh. you know, and instead of, instead of being at work, I'm about to be paraded into Stoughton court, which is where I was representing clients. So for me, this would have been like, oh my God, it would have been the end of my career. And I know that because even though my firm was a mid-sized, very progressive firm, a lawyer, um, law professor from Harvard had gotten arrested about a month earlier for growing cannabis in his backyard. And the sentiment at the, at the office was not, wow, these laws are unfair. It was like, how, how stupid was he of doing that? And so you can imagine my fear having yes. my own plants in my, in my uh, house at that point. Because I was and with like literally, growing. this is the time like there there wasn't even somebody to argue for you that it was health and wellness at this point. This no, is- there definitely wasn't, even though I was using it. So really, honestly, I, I went back to my whole training of, hey, this is this is not right. I shouldn't be here, and I don't want to go and be pulled into Stoughton. So like, what can I say here? And I thought like, wait a minute, they're actually violating my civil rights here, right? Like this should be a ticket. It's less than an ounce. And I told them, I said, this is less than an ounce, and and it got kind of quiet. And then they went and and weighed it. And then they came back and they said, yeah, it was it was half an ounce. And I said, yeah, I know that. But it started it started a kind of a pattern of that was the first time you'd have to you've had to actually use that defense by being pulled over. With oh your, my goodness. Yes. I mean, that this was like a huge. And, and you're just so people understand you are a trained professional and it is so frightening to be pulled over in this scenario. And it took you a moment to figure out what am I going to do? You, I, I just took me about it. Yeah, it took me about an hour of watching my car getting pounded. Being okay, you know, an hour. If I, again, a trained professional who understands how to make an argument, who worked for a law firm, who knows what the laws are, and knows what she has rights to. I mean, how frightening is that? So, okay, so that's two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, that's two thousand nine. And I, I'll tell you honestly, Joyce, I was w- walking and working under this impression that decriminalization was that was was more like legalization, right? Like that. Uh, okay, I had less than an ounce, and I wasn't going to get in trouble for this. Yeah, I get exactly. a ticket, and that would be okay. But it really showed me that no, no, there was still this incredible web of oppression that still existed. And for me, again, almost losing everything that I had worked for because. Like I mentioned, I had a small grow and just a couple plans for my own, but that now that that's a completely different and police did start showing up at my house at that point. And I had to cut down all of my plans. I was a, that was a really depressing day. I cried while I cut down all of these plans that were almost fully mature, but I wasn't going to take that risk, right? Because everything was on the line. And so that really at first just 
I was happy to get through it. And secondly, right. it really lit a fire under me of, hey, this is this is not exactly just going to flow naturally the way that I thought it was going to happen. This is actually going to take some work to make sure that people still aren't going to be prosecuted or the rules aren't going to be allowed for some people and not for other people. And so that really is what, what definitely began that. And also then growing as a lawyer at the same time, so gaining that additional skill set and then being able to pivot and turn it all into cannabis when there was when legalization was actually on the horizon and being part of writing the law and and that whole journey which has now turned everything in my life into cannabis focus but I wouldn't have it any other way because it really has worked out on both the advocacy and the business side and you're there as a you're there as a leader like I, I imagine you had very few people to turn to like you had your own brain and you had your understanding maybe of your own body of what was going on which is sort of what seems to be a story of a lot of the women in the industry is that they're taking this big risk. And the irony I find is that often you're taking this big risk so you can be healthy. And then when people find out or something happened, you stop using it so you can conform and then you become unhealthy. I just, we're kind of messed up. So, okay. <laughs> pattern. I think that pat, that is spot on because I'll tell you, there was a point after all that was happening where, again, I'm back to buying lower quality product. It's not working as well. There's, again, just a fear about the use that chills that approach and allows you, makes you start to rely on other things that are much less healthy. And I think that that is something that, you know, that obviously I saw as an attorney like how many women were addicted to pills? How many women are alcoholics, functioning alcoholics? Because they are using this to deal with all of the different stress, not even talking about the real medical health needs. I mean, that these are real medical health needs, but I think that that's something that's very much overlooked for women, especially professional women, because that's something that can, alcohol can just completely Oh, yes. That's like a whole nother show. All right. So, so 2009, you're a professional, you get a child, you're doing your thing, you're feeling good, you get arrested, you feel kind of bad. <laughs> then <laughs> did you start advocating first or did you come up? How did you come up with the decarboxylator, which we'll talk about in a minute? Yeah. So at the beginning of starting to make cannabis medicine, anybody who's kind of been down this path knows that you start to, if you want to research it and actually do it the right way, you start to encounter concepts like decarboxylation and activation. And back then when I first started, it was just random forums no real science behind it. And that was always a big challenge for me because I'm like, I need to be able to quantify this, right? Like right. I need to be able to know um, I'm adding a lot of extra fat to my diet, right? right. I'm trying to become more healthy, but then I'm finding different struggles with it. Seeing people gravitate towards medical marijuana or this idea that it was going to become legal, but then seeing people try to make products and then being terrible and not just terrible tasting, but like actually not terrible. Like this is the other thing we talk about. Like you, you need to know it's, this is medicine. So you need to know your dosage. Mm -hmm. And if you're just making brownies and you're not really sure, like how much, you don't know what is in the cannabis you're using. You don't even know what, cause you don't get it tested. And then you put it into a fat or however you process it. And then you put it on food. Like one could have 120 grams. And I don't, it could, it could be very uneven. So there's a lot, of, there's, a, there's a science to this. This isn't just like whipping it up. So understanding what you're doing. Absolutely. And then on yeah. top of that, do people, a lot of people need discretion. They can't do it in their oven. They need that. They need to just do it outside of a kitchen area. And so I saw the potential for something that would be able to, a machine that would be able to do this really core key process, which is the activation decarboxylation. It's activating the THC and CBD simply. 
And without, without doing that, you're not getting the full benefit of it. And that's why people are finding that their edibles are weak or their topicals aren't having an effect for them. They really need to do this decarboxylation. There's so, a lot of fun science around it, but really what I wanted to do was to create a device that even if people didn't want to know the science, they could press a button and know that it was done the right way. Very simply. And, and that's what led to Nova. And I worked with MCR labs to actually the first, the first layer was understanding and knowing exactly what those parameters needed to be and having that science to back it up. And what year were you starting this? When, when did you start connecting with MCR labs and really? uh, So I started developing Nova back in 2013. And then I started testing in the lab. I sought out, I was seeking out a lab, right? I was like, there's no way that I can make this as accurate as it needs to be without having the lab support and testing, because again, everything out there had been not, there was no lab testing around it. Right, right. And so right. thankfully I was happy to find who had just Which is a, another right Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Yes, MCR, yes. amazing, which is yeah. key. I mean, it, I think it goes back to this, right? The illicit nature of cannabis really completely stalled out any research. And you hear that sometimes, but this is in a practical way, even understanding like the fundamental aspect of activating the decarboxylation was just shrouded in mystery because there was no access. So thankfully MCR, I went there, started doing a bunch of different testing to hone in on the right timing and temperature. And then once I found that framework, I knew from my own experience with the oven and the toaster oven, what it shouldn't be, right? Heaters on the top and the bottom, no real way to control that heat. And so I went and developed something that has, uh, I have it here, like you said. It's adorable. It's purple. Um, I know you can't see it. (laughs) It has a a thermal heating core completely surrounding. It looks like like a thermos. It looks like sort of like one of those wide, um, like soup, soup thermoses. Exactly. And it's, and it's innocuous looking, right? Like you want to explore, it's very discreet and, but really it's, and it's very simple looking like how your mom says, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's on the inside that counts. Exactly. And and, (laughs) and there's two sensors in here and there's a thermal blanket and there's a lot of high tech happening inside, but what it does, it creates this like perfectly even heating, very gentle, very precise. So people who have never decarbonized or never, so you basically get your flour, you get, what Mm -hmm. do you, how much can you put in there? How much? So we have two models. There's one model that gets up to an ounce. And when you think about that, the math there, if you're doing an ounce with 220% THC, which is a good average number, you're talking about like 5,600 milligrams, over 5,000 milligrams of THC out of one ounce. Like think about that when people think about kind of the savings versus the way they've been doing it in the oven. That's really what, you know, um, drives people. And then we came out. I I, I always quit. And then the smaller one. So that's the bigger one. Oh, that's the bigger one. one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is, we came out with this four years later. So we hit the market in 2016 with the Nova and then we came out with the FX and we call this the easy bake ardent. Oh, is that what? Okay. So I've seen this on the Instagrams because we're going to get to this. Your your poster is so beautiful, but okay. So how much does that hold? It's a much taller one. looks like a tall thermos. This one is a QP at a time. You can hear, I can sing into it. It's a, so four, four ounces at a time. And then obviously that's for flour. So obviously it can hold more concentrate. It can hold more heath. And so you can activate all of the different types of cannabis need to be activated. And people will find that they have a different preference. A lot of people that are into concentrates want to activate their concentrates and use those for edibles and other things like that. And a lot of people even activate their flour and then smoke it. 
especially if they're looking for more CBN to make them grog. All right. So this, this kind of confused me. So you put the flour in there and then what comes out of it? What, what? Yeah. So it comes out and it's a dry decarb. So it comes out and the flour looks exactly the same when it comes out a little bit. It's darker, but it's okay. the same form, right? Okay. So you can take that immediately and they can just take it and put it right on their food, right? Because it's active THC. People don't need to infuse. That's like one big misconception conception that you have to put it into a butter and oil and extract it from the plant like you don't you could so this is radical because this your- is all, all i ever hear is you have to be it has to be in fat it has to be in fat no. it has to be, oh so here's a okay. nuance right fat can help with absorption but it doesn't have to be pulled into the fat it could just be put a little coconut oil on it right like it doesn't have to be extracted into the fat right yeah. so that is it is important for people to note if they do want to extract they need to use a fat, not like a water or something like that, right? Because cannabis is only soluble into a fat, but you don't need it to actually absorb, right? There are lots of things, lots, first of all, lots of people are very sensitive to THC and CBD. And so they need nothing to help and with absorption. Other people, you can put a little oil with it and it can help. Then there are other people, um, women, especially that don't have gallbladders anymore, that might actually need to take things like lipase to help them with absorption. And so the obviously um, taking cannabis is very individualized. Right. It's personal. People, we talk about personalization of medicine. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So I'm like still a little, con- so you, you, you took a couple, it just looks like the dried flour and then you can use it any way you want. Yeah. So a lot really? of people actually put it into capsules as well. And we've developed what? capsules that have like coconut oil on one side, along with like guarana and B12. So you can just take your cannabis, you take your little bud, stick it, put it on the other side, and then it has everything you swallow it and has everything it, it needs to, for perfect absorption and things like that. So there are a lot of people that just sprinkle it right on their food. And then there are a ton of people that infuse with it as two, with two. So if you did want to infuse in this, right after decarb, you just open this up, pour the oil in, close it up and then press the infuse button and then it will infuse as well. We actually just released a very cool little French press. So when the infusion's done, you just go press it down and pour it out and you don't even have to touch it. Which is so much, if you've ever done this and you like, you put it in a bag and you, a oh cheesecloth and you, and, and your whole, <laughs> and your house kind of smells my son. So my son lives downstairs. He's 22. So they do um, infuse. I got him a can of butter maker, but the whole house kind of smells. So does this give off a smell too? What's the the same kind of smell? That's one of the biggest things that people wanted was discretion. So Mm -hmm. with Nova, there is the idea is there is no smell. Now, people are very, very sensitive to it. We tell them to like, let it cool down all the way before you open it because naturally cannabis does have a smell. So if you're, if it's kind of warm still and you open it, yes, you're going to smell. But discretion is very important for people, especially if they're living in a, in a apartment or living with roommates and just being polite as well, wanting to just make sure that they're able to do what they need to do without disturbing other, other folks who might not love the smell of cannabis as much. (laughs) Which is always a question. (laughs) Dave, did you have a question? You look kind of curious. No, no, definitely (laughs) curious, but just, just taking it all in. I knew a little bit about the product, but, but now, now I think I know exactly how to use it. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So with this, and with this one, now you can actually bake little cakes inside. Right? Oh, it, oh, is that why they're calling it the call it again? Those chicks? yes, the Easy Bake Ardent. Yes, and so funny. I'm gonna give you guys, and you, they won't be able to see, but you guys are getting an exclusive peek at a that we haven't even launched yet, which will allow people to make a couple little cakes at a time inside and bake here. And so, not only can you decarb and infuse, but you can also, you know, cook your little cannabis snacks inside. And so, the idea is it's a all one and stop solution that you could. 
I'm, I'm here at my desk, right, Joyce? Like I could yeah. plug this in and I could do this right here at my desk. I don't ever have to go into the kitchen. And it's about kind of just giving people autonomy, right? Like I want everybody to be able to use cannabis, even when like me, they had to do it quietly or privately. And and and, and then they can they can confront front the stigma as they as they need to, right? In a comfortable way. Because I know for me, I was just forced so many times to head on deal with the stigma of cannabis. And like you said, it impacts you, it impacts your relationships, right? It impacts your work. And you need to be, I, I do think that while I advocate for women to be staunch advocates, practically there are some times in your lives where other things need to come first, but you don't, you shouldn't have to abandon cannabis and what you're doing because other people are, are judging you for it. But so. the, whole, the point of the show is to crush the stigma. So just, we know the holidays are coming up. So what are the pricing on these? And have you had any trouble since any getting your parts or where are these made? Are you having Yes, we have factory partners all over um, and we haven't had uh, too many issues. We plan good. That's good, really good, good. Well for things. And for us, COVID hitting was a big whoa, because we are, we're in the middle of, we actually were just launching this device, the FX, but a lot of people were obviously interested in how to make their, how to stretch their cannabis longer, how to make products at home. And so that definitely, like we saw a wave of interest, not only of new people, but people who have had, who had the device for a while that had never really kind of jumped into using it, that all of a sudden were like, okay, I need to go and make my own thing. It's making bread people. It's making your own edibles at home. That is what's going to happen this winter. We're, we're, it's a prognosis. Yes, and it's Can so I just say because- just the, the product, which I just wanted to skip back. Back for a second because our listeners can't see it but it's shaped like a thermos but then there's this metal apparatus that gets inserted where you i guess you put stuff on the shelf there yeah. it looks like a cake a, tray it looks like a little cake, a, yeah, tray, a little that cake tray that inserts so mm-hmm. so you absolutely could keep it right on your desk which is great yeah, that's like one of our new marketing campaigns. Like it's a woman at her desk and making her products and whether that's her medicine or her edibles and snacks, like whatever. Mama's at home. Oh my God. Yes. All right. So I, I cannot, I have so much more to talk about. All right. Let's, so you have this amazing product. You are in the business financing. We talk about this ad nauseum. You're pretty well-established at this point. You've gone through a lot of the ringer. Getting financing for cannabis is difficult. Getting financing for women is really difficult. Getting financing as a black woman is really, really, really difficult. So tell us, what are your secrets? What are you telling people? (laughs) Yeah, so with Arden, it's funny because our name means passionate and we absolutely are. And it's been this million dollar idea, right? I knew it was what it was, but it was incredibly difficult to get funding. Even though when I started, when I started fundraising, I had a physical product that I had already kind of almost brought to market at that point. Cause I had used some funds uh, from some settlements that I had helped some clients get right after I left kind of my traditional work and helped hung my own shingle. And when were you like, when were you like deep in the trenches of looking for funding? What years would you say? So that was, I started looking for initial funding back in 2013 and 14. And I did that with um, some Boston based local investors. I did Boston Harbor Angels is a great group to at least cut your teeth on. And, and I met some folks through there, but again, at this point, think about it. It's still very tenuous. It's not even legal in Massachusetts. And so it was very difficult to get funding. And it seemed like the cannabis investor, 
founders were only really interested in ideas that they thought could then go public. And, and honestly, I saw a lot of people get millions and millions of dollars that never brought a product to market or just ended up being some kind of headline story now. And, and I think that everything that glitters isn't gold. That is like the number one thing that I learned from fundraising. And we did it very lean up until last year when we raised another 500,000. Before that, we had only raised 600,000 for the whole company. I mean, usually to capitalize like a product company, you're talking in the millions of dollars. So we definitely had to do things very, very um, scrappy. And did, you have, um, did you have banking issues like everyone else? Oh my goodness. Not only yet, we had banking issues there. I remember early on, uh, like a couple of years ago, our bank account just got shut down and I lost $75,000 in revenue for the month because I had no way to bring my, Ooh, that was a dark time. I would say- What year? Was, wait, 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 wait. What year was your bank account shut down? Uh, oh yeah. So- that was one bank account and that was shut down in 2017. Is that because I thought you were doing something bad? Yeah. I think, <laughs> you know, at that point, when you're starting to bank, like people usually start on like PayPal and those other things. Right. But obviously that was early on, got kicked off of there. But even when you start to move to the next level, a lot of people don't realize that they're on an aggregator rather than a, their own actual. And then, then they just shut everybody off and you're kind of shut down. And so mm-hmm. now we're at the point where we have like, several bank accounts, right? So we don't, we just start to learn how to mitigate all and, that. And this is what people listening know, this is not an ad, this is a very normal story. If you go to cannabis event and you're walking around chit-chatting with your friends, it's just part of the story. How many times have you got shut down? How many bank accounts do you have? How do you do this? So we're still in this funny world. And that one was really sad because I didn't get the money back there. So we lost, we were just out 50. Oh, that's a lot. And that was really hard for a small business starting up, but you live, you learn. And um, And again, perseverance. That's what I've seen women in the industry, like the men are, and I say you guys are elevating it. The women coming into the professionals are elevating it and the men are coming in at a different, they want the money. They want to do the flip over fast. And the women are coming in because you've been healed by it or you've been healers and you just keep persisting. I'm so impressed. (laughs) And then now with funding, I think it's always too, it's very difficult for investors to like understand and predict the market. And so that kind of really cuts out a a big layer of folks. And I honestly, really what you have to be able to show is just really strong revenue, how you're going to continue that revenue. Like that's what investors want to see at this point. And even then it's still kind of hard to get them to cross the line. So we're, we're fundraising right now. We raised about 500,000 last year and now we're raising anywhere between 1.5 and 3 million. Um, are, you, are you involved with like any of these women's groups, the ArcView or the, I don't know. Yep, other... so I, I've, I've been to ArcView twice and I also am involved right now to be, I have a, I have a woman that helps me raise money at this point, really having the understanding and the nuance like that, that is its own job. And I'm of course. really busy, yeah. you know, uh, developing product. And to be honest with you, I don't love talking with investors because um, I'm ready to jump in when, it, when they're really serious, but to be, it's like dating. It's time. Like you you it's end up time. Uh, having yeah. to, to deal with a lot of folks that just aren't the right one. Right? You want to, you got to, to really focus your time there. So right. at this point, the way I approach it is I like to never need investment. And right now, even though we're looking for investment, if no money ever came through, we'd be okay. And that's, it's because we were forced to be that way. I think it's kind of a good place to be. I actually just wrote a blog about this whole idea. I was at a law event, actually, a cannabis law event this week, online forum. And they're talking about acquisitions, mergers and acquisitions already. And like, we haven't even formed as an industry yet. So I'm like, there's got to be a place for moderate sized businesses. That's where we all are. We have to be able to create this, this space for this industry to have those businesses or else whatever it's going to be. Anyway, so you're up there, you're at the forefront, you're doing your thing. Uh, People are supporting you. You're, oh my God, we've been talking for a while. So 
before I go take my break, I've been following your social media feed. And if anyone isn't, go look at it. It's got the most beautiful foods, infused things. I don't know who's doing this for you. What are your what are your some of your favorites? How are you using this? Do you sir, go to events? Like I just it's just a beautiful feed of like if you want something Thank hopeful you. and pretty and be like, wow, I want that. Yeah. Check yeah, it out. thank you. So shout out to Ardent Social Team on that. And shout out to Ardent Social Team. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> to, to be frank, what we've been doing is a lot of that you're seeing is user generated content. Oh, it we've is real, nice. Yeah, we've had a real focus. So anybody, anybody who's listening who already has one of our devices, please go join our owners group on Facebook. We have a private owners group that is just for people that have the device, and it's called Ardent. You glad you can decarb, so you can look up that group and. Basically, it's people just sharing and showing how they use the product. And now we're pulling a lot of that into our social feed because, again, with us, as you saw, the first step is the decarb in the device, right? But after that, people were asking, like, okay, what do I do with it after, right? Like you were saying, Joyce, like, what do I do? And so then we started making like edibles kits, like kits or infusion kits we started out with, right? And the idea was always to have this full service solution for because people, as much as they love to cook at home, isn't it much better when HelloFresh or something comes and it just Uh has everything there for you? And so (laughs) the idea is that we want to bring essentially a dispensary to the person. And the way that we do that is they have their own cannabis, but we provide everything else. It's a medicine, like, and it's a dose and it's the making it yes. feeling connected and the education. yeah education and, and then like feeling I don't know I mean I always say like Ikea like when you build your own stuff you feel even though you're not really building it <laughs> yeah, yeah. no so it's so funny we say that all the time we're like <laughs> people people want the feeling of having me accomplish that but they don't want to really work too hard you know what I mean and so the idea is that it comes and it looks great and you have a hand and most importantly you know what you're putting into it, right? Because there are a lot of people that still, again, if they're getting edibles from different places, they don't know. So the idea, we're very tied to home grow as well. We are staunch advocates for home grow. I I do not think that a legalization framework is actually a true legalization framework if it does not have the ability for people to grow at home. The plant is not free at that point, meaning it doesn't, real people don't have access. You still have that commercial barrier to it. So if people are able to grow at home and in Massachusetts, is not only can we grow at home, but we can share up to an ounce with an adult. Like that's a real program, right? Because now people have access potentially to product that they can easily activate and make and they can, it's really kind of like a farm to table type of thing of understanding and knowing where your product's coming from and being able to do that incredibly affordably right? When you're thinking about like 200 milligrams of THC in every gram of bud, that kind of starts to change people's minds about what else they could be doing with their cannabis and how how else they could be kind of potentially using it. And feeling good. All right. So I like that. All right. So check it out on Instagram. Are you doing anything special for Thanksgiving? Are you going to like have like infused? I mean, we're all going to be separated. God knows what's going to happen Thanksgiving. Yeah, so but we are. We, <laughs> we are having a virtual Friendsgiving. And oh, you are. And we are having a special edibles kit that's coming out for Friendsgiving that everybody can make at home inside their device. Oh. So we're really, really excited about that. And yes, oh, I'm glad so I asked. All right. Because this, this will be out next week, which is. Oh my goodness, it's almost Thanksgiving. I can't believe it. All right, so. <laughs> and Joyce, Joyce, you might want to remind listeners, all the socials and the handles and everything for Chanel will be in the show notes of this episode. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yes, you know that. All right, and we'll say at the end and we'll talk about the beginning. All right, so after this quick message, we will be back on the other side with my little favorite thing. We're going to finish it up with my good friend Chanel and then that's a show, people. So see you on the other side. Surprise, it's me again. I want to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Canon Mom show so much fun and so popular. 
Honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed. And to show our gratitude, the Canna Mom Show team has some exciting news to share with you. If you are a cannabis-focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field or want to engage with cannabis activists, we want to hear from you. Because beginning in 2021, the Cannamon Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with the Cannamon Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Cannamon Amy Ryman site, Hip. Lives. So if you sell a product, offer a service, or want to engage others, the Cannamom Show wants to hear from you. And together, we will crush that cannabis stigma one can of story at a time. Now, back to the show. We're back. Okay. So before we talk, finish up our interview. So any of you know me, I'm like a secret writer, and I have this dream of creating a new genre of literature I'm calling Cannabis Chicklet. I think it's going to be, <laughs> I think it's good. It's out there. So haven't written it yet, but I know it's happening. However, when I put that out in the world, I actually heard from a woman named Jill St. Thomas, who wrote a book called A Walk in the Park. And this is how she describes it. So any of you think my cannabis chiclet is a good idea, maybe you should check out Jill. This is a romantic thriller that sheds light on the cultural clash between mom and pup cannabis pioneers and corporate investment a sexy front seat perspective that sheds light on the overregulation, corporate malfeasance, and the desire of working class to combat the dark side of the 1%. Inspired by gumshoe detective novels and classic action thrillers like The Eye of the Needle, Jason Bourne, The Hitman's Bodyguard, with a nod to Richard Connell's The Most Dangerous Game, A Walk in the Park is a cannabis chronicle thriller. It is written of today's and mirrors society's needs for women, LBGTQ and minority characters with strong realistic influences. And not unlike Orange is the New Black, this novel reveals a world of the most alluring industry since the industrial age with all its golden glory and brutal realities wrapped in an addictive love story. So who wouldn't want to read that? (laughs) That sounds awesome. I need to grab that. I'm like, I need a new book and that sounds like thrilling. (laughs) All right. So again, it's A Walk in the Park, Jill St. Thomas, I'm pretty sure you can get like an Amazon download. I think that's how things work these days. And I don't know, maybe if I ever finish my cannabis chiclet, we'll put it out there too. I think it's a All right. So <laughs> uh, back with Chanel Lindsay. We're going to talk about a little bit with our time, social equity, some of the challenges you're in facing. I mean, we are very Boston specific here, so we can be as specific as you want to be about, I know the delivery license. There's some very specific things about Boston going on. I mean, if you want to expand a little bit, but, you know, social equity is huge. I don't know how you want to talk about in five minutes. What are the highlights? <laughs> yeah. So I would say that the focus right now is delivery and getting delivery over the hump. We have economic empowerment. We have a couple of different programs that are helping to bring minority entrepreneurs to the forefront. These are all very Massachusetts. These are Massachusetts specific we're talking. Oh yeah. This is all Massachusetts. Okay. You know, in mass, when I was fighting for legalization, one of the main focus and the main reason that I was part of that campaign was to bring equity to mass, right? I saw firsthand and know of the harms that 
are brought to our community and seeing what this industry, right? We just eclipsed a billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. In Massachusetts for this industry and less than 4% are owned by any kind of minority, right? And that includes women and veterans. That includes every minority category you can think of that the state has. So there isn't access now, despite what we've wanted, but I think there is an opportunity with this delivery and that's going up to vote at the end of this month to allow exclusivity around delivery licenses. But there's a lot of pushback from the corporate dispensaries. Yeah. So that was, so, so people hear the pushback. So I've heard, I'm, I'm obviously deep in this world. So I don't know if you just want to give the argument. So the, the argument for the social equity is the delivery licenses obviously weren't enough for to build generational wealth and create a business that would actually do what needs to be done. And this exclusivity with the delivery with the warehouses yes, upsetting the people who have the brick and mortar. Exactly. But from the beginning, delivery was always supposed to have warehouses. And again, the powers that be were able to kind of corral that into an Uber only courier license, which like you said, Joyce, that isn't going to be a sustainable business. It actually allows them to just be kicked out out after two years. It's the opposite of what we would want to do to support small businesses and, and, and minority entrepreneurs. So yes, having this exclusivity for three years around actual warehouse delivery, it would it would bring quite an amazing opportunity to marketplace, but not the kind of opportunity that would create an Amazon. There, there are a lot of arguments that are being put out there to create fear around this delivery license. And that's what we're combating. And we actually have a rally happening on the ninth equity rally to talk about these issues, to bring it to the forefront. And I think the commission's going to do the right thing. I don't think that, that we're going to have an issue here because they already did do their, do their tentative vote. But I think that there are a lot of, there's a lot of pushback that's actually still trying trying to restrict this license down to just one warehouse. It's already been restricted to two. And so I think that there is still a fight to be had here to make sure that this is is how it originally was intended. Yeah. I mean, so I've seen Steve Hoffman on some of these online. He does seem to be doing the pushback. He tries his best. It's a hard job. He's got to sort of toe the line. And the idea that we just just have to keep pushing. No one's going to give anything to us. Anyone who's got, this is set up for medical dispensaries that had a lot of money. I mean, that's how it came in. So they're here. Those, those businesses are here. So that's what we're fighting up against. And I think you guys are doing what you can. I support you. I talk about it ad nauseum. So I right. hope it works. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we have a great community here in Massachusetts. That's what we I really do. Do you want to give some a shout out to some of the highlights of the people who are really working on this? So if anyone's curious and they want to join the... Oh yeah. So our group is Eon Equitable Opportunities Now. You can find us at Mass Eon on on Instagram. We work very, very closely with the uh, Massachusetts Dispensary Association. And so they are, that's, we're having a joint rally there. We work alongside BECMA, the Black Economic Council of Massachusetts. They've been heavily involved in there. NAACP has supported us in the past as well. So really, I mean, everybody's on the same page about this from the equity community, MRCC as well. So we all kind of just try to band together and bring the voices to the forefront. And that really is what what makes that different. The examples of residents and citizens of Massachusetts that are that are saying, look at where is the place for me in this scenario and situation, especially when I've been harmed in the past. And I think that that's something that's going to be a huge failing of this industry in mass if we are not providing a pathway from the uh, traditional marketplace into this new market and, and letting it go the way of corporate interests. That is, that's not going to be good for the health and the fabric of our community. For anyone. All right. So, and remember, if you're being frightened, if someone's trying to scare you, you're probably being manipulated. So everyone calm down <laughs> and understand that this is just, this is a business decision that's trying to give people who really need a leg up because they're not white men 
and this is we're setting this up so that there could be some generational generational wealth. That's what we're doing. So that's the hope and goal. So, all right. Good luck. November thirtieth. Is that the vote or is that the hearing? Uh, yep. The there's a hearing on the thirteenth, and and then the vote on the thirtieth. Okay, that's good. All right, and then before we finish up, your son. So he's twenty. Is he in college now? What's he doing? Yeah. So he was in New York at the new school. Obviously, school is on pause right now. Um, yeah. Is going back, but he's also been um, working in the business. So, oh, he uh, has. What, what's he doing? Uh, he's doing. He's doing the grunt work, Joyce. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> I mean, he's doing production. He's doing shipping. He's doing a lot of the ops work. A lot of the stuff that we need a nice, physically able, young-bodied son to do. It's perfect. Hey. Uh, See, so. they're useful. Who who would have yeah. thought? Like all of a sudden, like I, my son's twenty-two. I'm like, he can contribute and he's useful. How <laughs> yeah, nice. <he> <laughs> It's great for him too, because honestly, with the kids, it's really, it's tough for them right now. They're not kind of getting the opportunities that they were in the past, to like get out there and have internships and like be working. True, and, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to do that and it helped the business at the same time, it's perfect. And I don't, he has other, he has managers other than me. So he's being mm-hmm. held to an incredibly high standard. And I like that too, to, to be able to um, contribute a little bit to kind of those. He's had some other jobs before, but this one is definitely very taxing and we have a lot going on over here here and moving pretty fast. So you're, so you're like the perfect example. I mean, look at look at what you've done. You've gone from being a young mom to having some other issues with the law in terms of like medical use yeah. and transforming it. And now your son, you have a next generation. And I always tell my nieces and nephews, this is it. This is like, yeah. this is the industry. Because anything you want to be, you can be it in cannabis. Agreed. I, I definitely encourage young people to think about this. All right. So, oh my gosh, look at time. All right. So Chanel, thank you so much for joining us finally today. I really enjoyed talking to you and seeing you again. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to follow you, if they're interested in getting your product? What, what yeah, should they do? So I'll put the notes. Ardentcannabis.com, A-R-D-E-N-T. If people wanted to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also email me, Chanel at Ardentcannabis.com, Chanel with an S-H-A-N-E-L. And yeah, check us out on on Facebook and Instagram. And there's a ton of free um, guides and testing results. In fact, we just came out with some testing results yesterday about double infusing. People like to infuse. And then if they don't feel like it's strong enough, they wanted to know, can they put it back and infuse again? So we have some science and testing results around that. So if you're into cannabis science, check out our blog. You'll probably um, see some really cool things and maybe some questions answered that you might have had along the way. This is so exciting. That's awesome. All right. So thank you again for joining us today, my Canabro. Thanks again for joining us. Good work. Good work. Thank you. Keep hope alive. <laughs> Keep hope alive. <laughs> Keep hope alive. Hopefully next week we'll have just, just hope and joy. Janice, another great job with my social media. Thank you. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Cannamom theme music. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Please follow us on social media. Listen to us anywhere you follow your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.